Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElroy. And I'm Jeff Carlson. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. If you visit DP Review, you've certainly seen today's guest, Chris Nichols, who is the DP Review TV host. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. We've been thinking about getting you on the show for a while because we both enjoy your really entertaining videos that you do. And honestly, to the point where I even watch some if I don't care about the brands. Oh, I appreciate that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, we, we, try to, we try to inject some entertainment into all the videos, regardless of whether they're interesting. So we do get that from time to time. People enjoy the videos that are even off brand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that sets you guys apart is you've got a sort of synergy between the two of you. Most people that do videos like that, it's just one person with their own camera and you switch back and forth. You talking about photo and Jordan about the video and you've got a good rhythm. The, the editing and the pacing is really good. And as much as you take yourself seriously, you don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, we try not to. I mean, uh, I'm lucky to have Jordan and I'm going to go ahead and say he's lucky to have me too. But uh, it's been it's been a very good sort of synergistic duo. Um, You know, it is nice to have another cameraman. It is nice that we can do a little bit higher production value. But it's been that way since we started um, doing it uh, on, on the camera store TV. How long has it been? How many years? Oh, man, uh, we're getting how up many videos. To- so many. Uh, I mean, we've been, with, we've been with DP Review now for a couple of years. We're coming up to our second year anniversary. And okay. I mean, we've probably been doing this now, I don't know, 12, 13 years. Yeah, it's been a wow. long time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess you could say one of the earlier uh, YouTube camera channels. Yeah, there. it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because n- now you just go to YouTube and you put in the name of a camera and you've got a million people. Oh, yeah. Um, but back in the day, it was definitely different. So you went from, let's see, a dozen years ago, probably pre-1080p. Um, now you're up to 4k and pretty soon up to 8k. (laughs) Well, we'll see, right? I mean, we're taking a look at this R5 pretty hard, but, uh, you know, Jordan bless him. He's like, um, you know, he's, he's comes from a cinema, like a cinematographer's background. He's uh, a film buff. You know, we still shoot pretty much everything in 24p, uh, you know, no 60p, no 30p, nothing like that. If you can help it. And, um, he's really kind of like, against resolution he's like we don't need 8k this is ridiculous it's gonna destroy my computer right i want dynamic yeah, range definitely. i want good audio so uh you know we're we're gonna go into this uh and see how uh how this potential comes out with this 8k it's gonna be crazy i'm skeptical yeah i i don't think anyone needs it i mean i've got a 4k tv and you got to be really far to get the advantage of the difference from four to eight as it is, it, once you're over like 18 years old, your eyes start to degrade <laughs> a little bit. You can't really see much anyway. Um, my, my son is 29. He just bought a 43-inch uh, TV, and he sits fairly close. He had a 32 prior to that, his first 4K TV. Right. But it's like he said, yeah, okay. <laughs> Doesn't make that much of a difference. Uh, no, you, yeah. you, you can't see it unless you look up close. And as you say, it's going to tax your computer. Um I have a friend who's working on a project. You know, you've seen these Zoom projects where a bunch of musicians play different things. And so he's putting it together. I think it's been three days that he's been trying to render it because it was a bunch of 1080p and he had to render it in 8K and then reduce it afterwards. And admittedly, I think it's a 2012 MacBook Pro. But you know how on Apple products, it's like 36 minutes to go, two hours to go, three days to go. And it's been... No, 
Yeah, it's brutal. I, you know, the the reason why we have to really stick to it is, of course, reviewing the gear. You know that Jordan's going to have to upload this R5 footage in 8K, sure. right? So, yeah. yeah, he's he's being dragged kicking and screaming into the uh, high-res world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you get to play with a whole lot of brands. What is your what, – what camera do you use when you take pictures? Yeah, it's a funny question. I, I get it a lot, and, um, you know, really, I don't get to play with cameras. That's kind of the thing. You know, people are like – uh, oh, it must be so great. You're playing with a new camera every week. But the fact is, I am playing with a new camera every week, right? Yeah. So then it, you're kind of like, what time do I have to shoot my own cameras? Is <laughs> yeah. it even worth having my own camera, you know? So uh, I would say if I had to pick one, I still really like the Panasonic GH5. Um, I use it for some video production outside of Deep Review TV. Um but really, honestly, more for video. For photography, it's really whatever I have. I've sold everything. Got rid of my Nikon SLRs. That's what I used to use. But we did just do a video uh, about Acros 2, the new formulation. Yeah, the film. Yes, the film. And I got to break out my old Nikon FE, which is my first camera. And uh, that was great. So let's say the that'll make me sound smart, right? And, and classy. Yeah. Then yeah. Nikon FE, that's my, that's my regular camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also one of the things where since you're looking at these things and reviewing them all the time, I'm also curious, um, like, are you approaching everything with the mindset of, of that, that analytical, okay, I need to make sure that I'm capturing things that are going to test this camera's capabilities or look at this new this new feature and mm. how much of that in terms of your mindset while shooting, if you only had one camera that was your camera and you're going to go out shooting, is your mindset different? Because, you know, at least like, like when I'm reviewing something, uh, you know, software or, uh, you know, photo editing package or something, it's a completely different brain because I'm thinking, okay, how can I test this? Can I make sure that I'm anticipating everybody's questions and things like that. Like, how yeah. does that affect you? Yeah, that's great. No, it really does. When we shot for the camera store, um, we did try to be very honest. It was it was always about an aspect of what is the consumer going to want to hear, right? Uh, as a buying guide, we were a retail location. We weren't pushing camera sales, but the idea was if someone's shopping for a new mirrorless camera, is this going to be the right one for them? Uh, when we moved to Deep Your View TV, you know, Deep Your View has such a well-deserved reputation for being very technical, very scientific. You know, their staff are are super intelligent, very skilled people that uh, test these things very, very rigorously. So, for us, we had to transition a little bit of our of our way of shooting to be more scientific, right? Now we do loca tests and we do res tests and corner and center when we're testing lenses. And, you know, we try to test uh, dynamic range and, and push files. But to be fair, we really wanted to bring our mix of the entertainment as well and a little bit more casual, a little bit more easygoing. So I think we've hit a good blend. Uh, but yeah, when I go out, I still have to think, okay, we need shots on tripod so we can show maximum resolution. We need loca tests. We need, you know, distortion tests. So we, we try to mix that, Jeff, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's also nice that you can be able to say, you know, hey, go look to what uh, DP Review is going to publish because they have, you know, their, the test scene and like like all the, the really in-depth stuff too. So that's yeah. that's got to be nice. Yeah. You know, honestly, my main challenge when getting out shooting a camera is uh, – I don't know what the light's going to be like. You know, we shoot on specific days. We don't necessarily have the luxury to chase the light or wait for conditions, right? It's like every week we do two videos. So 
that's a challenge, you know, just being able, having to go out and say, I got to get 40 or 50 photos. Uh, you know, it's unique that I upload the raws on the sample galleries. That was a new experience for me. The camera store, I could edit things, play with them, post them. I don't care, right? You know, there's whatever I want for my taste. But on Deep yeah. Review, it's more like, no, you know, we need good raw files that people can download, play with. So I really don't edit a lot anymore. I, I have to think of of getting photos that are going to be in focus properly and technically good for them to, to really evaluate. So that changes the dynamic in a big way. And, and uh, for me, I just try to have as much fun as possible, try to be as creative as possible, given the constraints of a brand new camera I've never used in light that I can't control. Uh, it, it can be challenging, but it keeps things interesting for sure. You mentioned earlier the video you did recently about Fuji's new Acros film. And I thought that was interesting, reviewing a film stock, because, I mean, when I got into photography, I started in analog back in the early 80s, and you didn't review film stocks. You had a half a dozen choices, a dozen choices. You <laughs> took what you got. You Maybe you put a filter on, or you didn't, or you push processed, or you mm -hmm. had options in the darkroom. Um, but the idea of reviewing a film stock and then comparing it to the film simulation, I found that an interesting approach. I didn't look at the comments. How did people receive that idea? Well, I mean, if you remember in the video... I generally don't look at the comments on DP Review, <laughs> by the way. Sorry. Jeez, I generally try not to. Uh, some yeah. of them are somewhat hurtful. But, you know, we, we really approached that. Even in the video, I was like, hey, if you disagree with my processing um, you know, technique, uh, don't bother to leave comments below, blah, blah, blah. Because, yeah. you know, you're right, uh, Kirk. It, it's so tough when you're throwing in development times, temperatures, different chemistry, you know, agitation techniques. I mean, it's an art form, of course, unto itself. So you can't really evaluate it that far. So we really tried to make it with this is my personal attempt. This is what I feel. And honestly, a lot of the comments were quite positive, you know, it, just because it's interesting to see what analog is still doing. Kudos to Fujifilm for releasing a new emulsion, you know. And on DeepReview.com, we just launched their, the analog forums. So, you know, it was fortuitous timing. Um but I, I like so that video. I got AP just play. review. Yeah, AP review. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Did you reserve the domain? Because if not, I think I'll go grab it. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> better be do useful. it. Yeah, it'll be worth thousands of dollars a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it's true that um, I, I'm slightly tempted by the whole analog thing. Having done this back in the day, I started out in high school where mm. we had a choice of shop classes, and I didn't want to do wood shop or auto shop, but they had a photography shop class. Um, so I got to shoot with, I don't what, know what camera it was, but we had, um, enlargers, dark rooms and chemicals. And it was really interesting. And now with digital, it's so quick mm -hmm. and uh, it, there's always the hand, there's always a trade-off from one to the other. Um, but it's, it's tempting, but of course that means you got to buy a whole new bunch of equipment. <laughs> it, you know, it was a ton of fun to just kind of bring that back. Cause that's how I started too. Right. I, I, I was really big into the black and white film and, and darkroom process. And I teach, uh, I teach photography classes here at one of the technical colleges in Calgary. And I always tell the students, you know, we're one of the few institutions that still has a working darkroom. And I'm like, if you've never been in a darkroom, if you've never had that experience, it's a once in a lifetime thing. You know, you got to do it. The light, the smells, the sensory deprivation, like, you know, seeing that picture come out in chemistry is just magical. Uh, so I try to encourage people to do that, but, uh, I do still love having the digital advantage. Um, you know, given a choice, I would still shoot digital. Even when we shot the Leica, um, you know, the the MD where we didn't have a screen on the back, uh, it was a big adjustment. I was for the first ten minutes, I was frightened. I'm like, oh no, this again! Like, I have no idea if I'm getting stuff that's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, and, you yeah. Know, it's but, true. 
but it's fun to let go of that. Stop chimping, let go and just go with the flow. You know, don't worry so much about the rules and see what happens. It was, it's quite fun. Yeah. So you recently reviewed the camera that I lost after the Leica uh-huh. M10 monochrome. Oh yeah. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> I, I would love to have that. And, and in part because I love black and white, I mostly shoot black and white. Um, I mean, I don't shoot a lot, so this would be like a dentist buying a Leica, right? Right. Um, but just <laughs> is that when, the when only I, people that buy them? I think is, is <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's the exclusive market. I think it's just doctors and dentists. I don't know, but I had been tempted by the previous Leica monochromes, but then when I saw the change in resolution with the new one, that was totally astounding. The difference, Mm. the detail that you get, the subtle shifts of grays through the ranges. It's really quite impressive. Oh, yeah. I mean... I'm with a lot of people in that I'm, I don't do any dentistry. I'm definitely not a doctor. Uh, no, no law degree. So, you know, I don't see myself ever buying a Leica just because I guess, you know, I'm cheap. The cost versus what you get, right? With a it's bit of work. You're cheap. It's like 7,000 or 8,000 bucks. Oh, isn't they're it? crazy. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you could argue that you could replicate the image quality and the look with, with quite a bit of time, you know, uh, with another camera. But, at the same time, every time I review a Leica, I, I have such a great time. You know, I, I think yeah. we forget mm. about that when we talk about the science and the quality and the resolution. And it's like, I actually had a really good experience using it. I get why people buy these, you know, yeah. it, it, it's expensive, but it's more about the experience of actually shooting. It. I always have fun. I always have a great time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see why people would do it. I'm very fortunate I get to do it without having to buy them. Uh, I would, if someone gave me one, I would use it and I would shoot it a lot, honestly. There's something about the constraint of a black and white camera, which is, Jeff and I both shoot Fujifilm X-T3s and I generally shoot in Acros. More and more these days, I don't even mess with the raw files. Um, I'm finding that if you use the, what's the app, the Fuji raw converter that connects to the camera. So you can take the raw file, run it through the camera. You can apply the red, yellow, green filters Mm -hmm. and and make adjustments uh, to the JPEG. I'm finding that that's fine because for me, the idea is I'm thinking like it's a film stock. I've chosen a film stock to shoot with and I don't need to go through all this stuff on the computer afterwards. Oh yeah. I mean, poor man's Leica, except I'd actually prefer it is get a Fuji X100V, just lock that in monochrome or Acros and go shoot. Like that was a great experience. I loved it. You know? Yeah. I had uh, the X100F for a while, but it's just too limiting with the 23 millimeter lens. I know. And yes, you can stick those sort of clownish um, attachments on on the front, <laughs> um, but that just, it, it unbalances the whole thing. That totally. was the most enjoyable camera I ever owned. I must say the X100F. Yeah. I had it for about a year. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I had a Pen F, then I got an X-Pro3, then I got the X-T3 and that's all I have for now. Um, and I mentioned just before we started, I just got an email. It's here, Fujifilm X-T4, now yeah. on sale. And I'm really not tempted. Um, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's You're not only going to buy the two. Time, yeah. Right. It's not just the time we're in, um, but it's, you know, these marginal improvements. And, and Jeff and I, we're in the computer um, industry, so we see this all the time. Like the marginal improvement on the latest iPad Pro, for example, um, it's just not worth buying. Right. Um, Jeff, he switched from an XT2 to an XT4. So XT1 to an XT3. XT1, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Which was a great leap. Got you from what 16 to 26 megapixels, right? So that's a big change. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- that was a nice, a nice bump. Really good autofocus improvement. That sort of thing too. So, mm-hmm. although th- this brings up a good question, uh, just in terms of the logistics of producing your show. 
Are you choosing which cameras and which gear you're featuring? Or is DP Review saying, hey, we've got the new Canon and we need something on that. We've got, you know, this pre-production model mm-hmm. of X, Y, or Z. It's coming. We need that by, you know, two weeks hence. No, you know, it, it's uh, it's a actually really fantastic uh, collaborative sort of set up with us and the editors at Deep Peer Review and our editors are fantastic. So um, we kind of work like two separate entities, but we're always communicating and, and uh, a lot of it is going to be driven by the market. I mean, if a new camera is coming out, you know, like the X-T4, for example, we got to play with an early model, right? You're like, well, we, that takes priority, right? So we have mm-hmm. a schedule that we set up, things that we want to do. We have a lot of little educational things or, you know, lens reviews and stuff, but it's always a balancing act of what's what's fresh. We got to get those out early. Um, also, what gear can we actually get access to? You know, because of course the offices are down in Seattle where you are, Jeff, and we're right. up here in Calgary and, and the border, you know, there's no wall there, but when it comes to customs, it can be a little annoying sometimes. So you know, shipping stuff back, seeing what we can get from suppliers in Canada. Um, yeah, it kind of drives what's what's going to what the process is. So it's ever changing. It's always dynamic. But yeah, new gear, we always try to give priority to because that's what people are really excited about. What That's what they're interested in. But uh, are there a couple lenses that we finally reviewed, you know, a year and a half later? <laughs> Maybe, you know, some things get pushed back. You know, uh, Sony, it's been really tough to get a lot of the Sony products right now in Canada. So lenses, uh, there's a lot of lenses we but haven't gotten to play with Why wouldn't yet. they want wow. you to review their products? Oh, I'm sure they would. It's just, you know, Canada's funny. It's it's actually quite a small market, right? We have 10% of your population. Um Frankly, we don't get a lot of of emphasis uh, or or priority in a lot of cases. So, and and there's a lot of great talent uh, in Canada. A lot of ex photographers. Yeah, but they know you're working for DP Review. Yeah, you're not, sure. You know, you're you're working for a very large site. <laughs> you're not working for a tiny Canadian. Yeah. You know, hockey site. I mean, Kirk, we we get you know we get our we get our our due process. We get our uh, we get benefits, but it is it is still tricky, right? I mean, it's just the logistics of trying to share as much gear as possible. And and as I say, like. Yeah, we review cameras, but there's a lot of great talented photographers and creatives that are using a lot of these products too. And and you know, I, I think the manufacturers really now are looking for a mix between technical reviews and and creative, you know, content, just photos and videos and projects like that, right? So yeah, it's a it's a balancing act. Okay, let's take a break and we'll play our theme music, which sometimes has an ad read in it when we have a sponsor. If you want to sponsor the show, get in touch, and we'll be back in a minute. Okay, to follow up what you were saying before the break, um, you get these camera lens reviews that are really serious. The guy behind the desk with a logo on the wall and everything is like like a high school class, right? <laughs> like, like it's hard to follow and it's not interesting. And, and I think that makes a big difference. And I would think that any camera company would be more interested in your style of review which is active and, and and you're out on the road, unlike some people who just have their computer and then put some you know pictures up on the screen. Uh, I would think the companies would want that. But on the other hand, you're you always seem very honest about your reviews, and you are sometimes critical when things deserve to be criticized. Do you get any pushback from camera companies on that? 
Uh, you know, when we, uh, that's how we started our whole reputation at the camera store. Uh, I think a lot of people right off the bat, they're like, you know, oh, the title is the camera store. These guys are going to be absolute corporate shills just trying to push their product, right? And it actually took a decade. People were still thinking that about us, like, oh, these guys are just selling product. And really from the start, we wanted to try to be as honest as possible, um, you know, say the good and the bad, as you mentioned, you know, and build that reputation. And I think it actually benefited the store more to have that kind of reputation than just trying to push product. But, you know, there there's absolutely going to be some situations where manufacturers are are maybe a little put off about something or like, oh, did you have to say it that way? And, you know, um, yeah, we make mistakes like anybody else. Sometimes we try to rectify those as quick as possible if we have misquoted something. But for the most part, to their credit, most of the manufacturers really appreciate the honesty. You know, when's the last time that a major company really made like an absolute dog of a camera? You know, like they're, they're all pretty I was powerful. Gonna, I was going to follow up with a question. Have you ever gotten something that's been so bad that you didn't want to review it? Uh, we've gotten things that are really bad that we do want to review it. Uh, if you remember that, <laughs> you remember that, uh, we kind of had fun with that Yashica GT, you know, I can't remember what it was called now. It was like the Yashica 35. Uh, um, yeah. it was like that really plasticky yeah, yeah, yeah. toy digital camera. Yeah. We had a lot of fun shooting that as absolute piece of garbage, but you know, yeah. um, we, we, we made it constructive and it was fun. But, uh, you know, yeah. But I guess all the big camera companies, everything's going to be, you know, in in the top 5% of quality from the major brands. So you're not going to really have anything that fails um, unless you get a pre-production and there's technical problems. And then you go through that whole process of sending it back, getting a new one, sending it back, updating the firmware, changing the battery, turning it off, spinning around three times, putting it back on. You know, I've always... I've oh I, as much as people get very brandist, especially on the forums, right? And they're very loyal, or or they're very technical. Like you need these megapixels, or you need this dynamic range. I don't really look at it that way. Especially now, more so that I've had an opportunity to use so many different cameras. They really, for me, just become tools. You know, it's like a power drill. They're all gonna drill holes. You know what I mean? Like uh, they're all gonna work. They're all gonna do the job. Yeah, you might have your preference. You might like the color. You might like the sound. Who knows? But they're tools to me and I think they're all effective tools and it's really just about finding what's going to be the best for what you want to do creatively right and I wish more people would focus on it like that and just appreciate them as tools but 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 you've got the brand lock in that once someone buys a camera they don't if they buy anything more it's lenses and that locks them into the brand sure so they are going to defend their brand in that case because it's too expensive to switch to another brand I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I would just say, enjoy what you have, rock on with it, you know, but uh, I get it. It's fun to compare things. It's fun to analyze things. Well, there's also that analytical part of it. Like it's a lot easier to talk about megapixels or autofocus speed just because they're sort of more concrete things rather than, you know, oh, well, this allowed me to take this incredibly creative picture. You're like, well, yeah, but the light had to be like this and you had to be in this location at this time of day. And, you know, like that's kind of more more squishy, at least, yeah. <laughs> especially in terms of like forums and things like that. You could say, yeah, well, you know, I can zoom in and see a gnat in the corner of my of my uh, frame because my resolution is so good. You're like, <laughs> right on, dude, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, you're right. You, you know, the forums would disappear if we could only argue about subjective things. Nobody would be able to argue. They'd just be like, oh, I guess each their own and that would be how every forum conversation ends so uh (laughs) i'm sure that's exactly how the forums (laughs) you know well i've written for dp review a few times and i have to say i do put in more work with 
those articles than probably some mm. other outlets just because I know that the forums are going to be blistering. And at least so far, I, you know, I've only had a few occasions where people have <laughs> accused me of being – at one point I was Baghdad Bob shilling for, I don't know, Adobe <laughs> or somebody. They're just sure. like completely off the rails. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a pretty good ratio. I'll take that. <laughs> and, but we also have to understand that there is a certain demographic, and, and I'd love to know what percentage of DP review uh, readers fit into this, who are into this for the gear acquisition syndrome. Right. Uh, you know, and actually, while we're talking about them, I, I do actually appreciate the forum reviewers and, and the people on them. It is sometimes scathing. The hard stuff is when people attack you personally or attack you creatively. Right. Like, you know, your photographer is crap. Like, you know, quit now. You know, that stuff never feels good. But to their credit, there are some reviewers on there that are incredibly intelligent, very scientifically minded people that that do know what they're talking about. And then, you know, they love to argue with it or 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 educate people with their with their knowledge. I get it. But, um, you know, yeah, we tried to always strike this balance in our reviews of being half of it being technical and giving people good information about the gear uh, in a scientific sense, but also half of it just being like, let's go take photos. Let's just see yeah. what the shooting experience is like. How does the camera feel? Uh, you know, it, what kind of stuff can we do with it? What is it best suited for? So we really try to strike that balance because as you said earlier, Kirk, yeah, you have some people who are great at sitting in front of a desk and talking a lot about specs. And then you have other people who are great at just getting out and shooting, but maybe don't even know that much technically about the cameras. Some of the most talented photographers and creatives I've ever met uh, knew actually very little, even about things like ISO and aperture and shutter speed. Yeah. But they just have an eye and they have a, a method and it works. So, you yeah. know, we try to strike that balance in between. We always have. Well, one of the problems I see with camera reviews and particularly videos is this whole brand ambassador thing mm. um, where people sort of sell their souls and don't even get any free gear in most cases. Um it, it kind of pollutes the environment. Like when the new Fuji camera comes out, you get all these people, here's all these great sample photos. <laughs> Anyone can take great sample photos to put in a review. It's really not that hard. I mean, I could walk around here and give you 50 photos that will look good enough for review. And it doesn't tell me anything about the camera. Yeah. <laughs> but then they're so biased because they're brand ambassadors that you just can't trust them. And some of these people are actually good photographers, sure. but you just can't trust them. And it's a shame that the camera industry has gone that route. Um, I, I don't see how it helps anyone. Is there a, um, a layer of people into cameras who might be swayed by them, not realizing that they're not totally objective? Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we go on our press events and we get to play with these new cameras, right? Again, a lot of people assume, oh, they're putting up in hotels, they're flying you out, you know, you're going to be biased. And we're not, you know, yeah, we no. appreciate it, but no, we're not. We try to be as honest as possible. However, it's interesting that you you see this transition over the years. It used to be big press events. And by press, I mean people like us, journalists, writers, bloggers, uh, you know, working for big websites that review gear. And, and for the most part, are very objective and very honest, you know. Uh, and then you see this switch in recent times where you'll go on these bigger events and it'll be now like, oh, there's the press corps and the journalists. And then there's the influencers and the mm -hmm. and the brand ambassadors and the, you know, 
And, and uh, again, very talented people. Absolutely. You know, but you see this shift of you've got groups of people who are going to say, oh, I'm having such a great experience with this camera. This is what's great about it. And then you have the press corps who are saying like, oh, these are the technical nitty gritties of this camera and my feelings with them. And, and I think it's natural. I, I personally don't really argue with it. The whole influencer thing. I mean, we grew up with spokespeople, right? Like, you know, you'd have some sports celebrity or some TV personality and say, I love this toilet paper. Sneakers, maybe. But then, but that's that's really obvious that they're endorsing something. It's very different. The brand ambassador isn't theoretically endorsing. But I mean, it, how many how many times did Andre Agassi actually pick up a Canon Rebel film camera, right? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they gave him a bunch. But, you know, it was that same idea. Uh, I get it, the whole thing of, of somebody trying to sway you to say this camera's great. And, and I think there's a lot of people who, as we've just talked about, digest the technical and love the information. We have to appreciate there's a lot of photographers out there or potential creatives that, that don't want to get mired in that. And they just want to see someone show them, hey... You can go to these locations with this kind of gear and get what I'm getting. And I think for a lot of people, that's enough. Well, and, you know, at at its heart, all of this is really just marketing. I mean, of course, they're going to put forth the people who are going to make everything look the best, which is why, you know, I think Kirk and I especially tend to gravitate towards something like DP Review TV because we're seeing what the the cameras are, the photos that can be made out of it. But we know that you guys are going to give us – the straight scoop. I mean, you know, you're always upfront about, hey, this is a pre-production unit and, you know, we ran into these problems, but, you know, we've talked to Sony, we've talked to Fuji, whoever. And, you know, that that trustworthiness, yeah, it's fun to see some of the influencer videos and (laughs) things where they have their little style and their adventure and what have you. But you also kind of know that that's marketing. and. You just kind of have to separate that. Maybe maybe Kirk's reacting to just more of the the blending of the the marketing and and journalism. Well, I see I see it in Facebook groups that I follow. I'm on a couple of Fujifilm Facebook groups, and there's people talking about yeah, you know, new camera, and then you find out that they're a brand ambassador. Oh yeah. So it, oh, it yeah. is kind of deceptive. At least on someone's website, they are required to state. Maybe not at the beginning of an article, but many do, but at least at the end. But when it's on something like Facebook, you don't see that or Instagram. Oh, you're right. And Kirk, you're right. Like, you know, there's all these people on YouTube. There's all these people on the blogs. You got ambassadors. You have influencers. You have a lot of like in the YouTube world, YouTubers that uh, don't even care about what's true. They just want to kind of stir the pot or, you know, or, you know, shake things up or create a stir, right? Because that can get, get used to you. Kind Tra- of like politicians. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So in those regards, it does muddy our waters. And of course, you're going to get people on the forum saying, oh, you guys are just going to be like everybody else. And, you know, with journalists like us who are trying to be honest, that is frustrating. But, you know, just power through it. Power through it. Keep doing what you're doing. Comes with you, the territory. You, yeah. you had a lot of fun in a recent um, video. We'll put a link in the show notes where you were reviewing a strap and <laughs> you were seemingly getting rid of a lot of old camera equipment you didn't need by dropping things and throwing things. Right. <laughs> do, do you have like the closet of camera equipment? Like we have the drawers of stuff. 
Oh, I love how people get so angry about seeing a camera destroyed or like, you could have sent that to some kid in need or, you know, yeah, and I get it. No. Uh, so truth be told, it's great that we have a, a forum for this. Um, at the camera store, we would get tons of junk cameras, right? You know, yeah. old broken cameras, like, you know, lenses that were smashed or whatever. Um, a lot of the Pentax stuff, we don't hate Pentax, we love Pentax, but a lot of the Pentax stuff that we destroy, um, they, they made a lot of plastic mock-ups. Fuji did this too, where they look ah. incredible incredibly real but everything's just plastic inside and and you know so we have all this junk stuff that we can destroy that's not perfectly good cameras i've never in my <laughs> life intentionally destroyed a perfectly good working camera not once good. yeah glad to once. hear it okay <laughs> yeah. so what what do you like in photography are there any particular photographers that you're a fan of ah you know I, I just did a, pod, a sort of podcast video with Ted Forbes from The Art of Photography. You know, we yeah. got to talk a lot about classic cameras and photographers that we grew up with. And uh, I still love the older photographers that I grew up with. You know, the Ernst Haases, the Stuart Redlers, the, you know, um, the Ralph Gibsons. You know, I really like those guys. And uh, for, for new photographers, I don't know. If I'm being completely honest... I have my friends. I have people that I respect, people that are in the industry. They're not necessarily all influencers or photographers on social media, um, you know, but I, I do support their work. But I, yeah, it's tough. I don't know if you guys find it tough to follow. Uh, I find it tough to follow a lot of people when we're already working to try to get our own content out and that kind of stuff. But well, uh, I buy a lot of photo yeah. books. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I appreciate photography as an art form. And for me, I'd much rather look at a, a well-organized book of photography than look at Instagram. <laughs> um, so I try to get a couple dozen books a year, and this keeps giving me ideas. And sometimes I'm disappointed. Um, I got a book by Gregory Crudson. He does these things where it takes like three days to set up, and, and they're all really cinematic. And in the end, they feel like they have no inspiration because they're all set up and cinematic. Yeah. Um, but recently, I've been very interested in Alex Soth, the work that he's been doing. Um, I'm a huge fan of Michael Kenna. I interviewed him last right. year. Um, I mean, for black and white photography, there's nothing better. Um, Joel Myrowitz, uh, yeah, that sure. kind of stuff. I, I'm and, and give me the give me the French photographers, Douaneau and people like that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know that that's the stuff. When I lived in Paris, I would go to uh, exhibits and see that kind of photography. You know, the pre digital stuff. Yeah. Because when when I look at a lot today, it's like. Anyone can be a street photographer if they find an interesting wall and shoot a picture of someone walking in front of it. Right. And I know that's cliche, and I say that often on this podcast, but that's what it's come to. Or <laughs> the sort of a landscape where you've got this castle off in the distance, but you've got this big rock in the front. And somehow you have to show the rock in the front as bigger than the castle. It's like these <laughs> cliches that, that just kill me, that aren't interesting. And these people don't look at real photography. They simply right. don't. You know, it's for me, I guess the people that I do follow and am invested in emotionally and want to see their work is actually my fellow press photographers. You go on these trips and you meet these people, you know, like Dan and Sally Watson, Jaron Snyder, uh, you know, Gordon Lang, right? You know, uh, Ted Forbes, like all these people that we, we meet and we hang out with. Um, you actually really form kind of a family and you see these people on a regular basis. They're actually all fantastic people and very talented in a lot of ways. So I find myself following them, not just to stay in touch and keep in contact, but, you know, promote their work. We're all kind of in this same industry. Yeah. We all deal with the same challenges. So I really like to be, you know, give solidarity to the people who are going through a similar experience. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. Chris Nichols, thank you very much for joining us. This has been a pleasure. There'll be links in the show notes to DP Review and to some of our favorite videos. And what what do you really want to do a video about that you haven't done yet? Oh, you know, actually, we have a fun idea coming up. Hopefully, it'll be fun. We, we A lot of our videos, we like to do these comparisons and shootouts where we get a little bit more ridiculous, you know, going way <laughs> back uh, when we tested memory cards. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. Way back in the Camera Store TV days, we tested memory cards. So. We put them in easy bake ovens and into the bathtub <laughs> and stuff. Um, so we've got backpacks. We're going to test some high-end backpacks uh, against each other. We're looking forward to that. Um, yeah, Actually, that kind of stuff is great because we don't get enough comparative stuff like that. We get that from the wire cutter. Um, right. <laughs> but, but that's the kind of video, like tripods. We both bought the new Peak Design Travel tripod. Right. Um, I definitely like to see more reviews like that. Tripods, backpacks, straps. Um, yeah. I don't know. Think of something. Totally. Yeah, you're going to have more fun with that. So that, I, th- I think we're looking forward to that. Okay, thanks a lot, Chris. Excellent. Hey, Jeff and Kirk, thank you so much for having me. Okay, Jeff, time for our snapshots. What have you got this week? I have a book this week. I realize I've had this book for quite a long time and forgot all about it. And it's not even anything obscure. It is Annie Leibovitz at work. What I like about this book is it has a whole lot, and you'll know this based on other things that I've recommended here. Um, yes, it has a lot of photos that she has done. She's, you know, of course, done all sorts of celebrity portraits. But every single section has something about how the image was made or what it was like to be interacting with uh, the, the person in question. Or even, uh, like, uh, she shot a very famous portrait of Demi Moore when she was pregnant that was on the cover of, I want to say, Vanity Fair, perhaps? Vanity yeah. Fair, I think, yeah. And, you know, like she starts off by saying, it's hard to believe this now, but when this was shot in 1991, it was enormously scandalous. And, you know, just that sort of insight into how these kind of images get made. Um, There's not a lot of technical detail, you know, where she put her lights or any of that sort of thing, which is fine. It's more of the, you know, the moment, the experience, how it was made. And uh, I also have to share, you know, my sort of secondhand Annie Leibovitz story. Uh, Forgive me if I already have, but um, our friend Glenn Fleischman was doing a radio appearance at a radio station here, and she was in town for something and was also there. So he started chatting her up, and they started talking about cameras, and he asked her, you know, well, what do you do about, you know, like the slow buffer speeds of digital cameras? You know, because, you know, she's shooting, you know, high burst rate, and she sort of laughed, and she's like, well, my assistant hands me another camera. (laughs) (laughs) she fills the buffer grabs another camera keeps on shooting it's like oh that's right there is quite a difference between how a lot of people shoot and how someone at that that level does so um andy leibovitz at work it's a it's really great hardbound beautifully uh produced book i found it to be a good insight into portrait photography which is the kind of thing that i like to read about what do you have this week I have something really simple. In fact, it's so simple, it shouldn't even be a snapshot. It should just be like a negative or something. A cable, a simple cable. Uh, You know, you get the memory cards in your camera. You can take them out. You can put them in a memory card reader. But most cameras, you can put a cable in the camera and connect it directly to your computer. Get out of town. Um, What? 
<laughs> exactly. So I have an iMac which has a bunch of USB ports and a bunch of USB-C ports, right? So all the regular USB-A ports are filled. Um, and my Fujifilm X-T3, just like yours, uses USB-C. Uh-huh. So I decided I'm going to get a cable instead of reaching around the iMac to try and slip the the... Um, Instead of reaching around the iMac to try and slip the SD card in, which takes a lot longer than yeah. it should. And there's a couple of reasons why this is useful. First of all, you can pull your photos off the camera. Second of all, you can charge the camera, although that requires that you change some settings. But the third thing is with the Fujifilm camera, you can use the Fuji X-RAW converter or whatever it is. And you can take cameras on your computer, um, open them with the app. The cable uh, connects to the camera. And the app uses the processor on your camera to make changes. And I mentioned it earlier in the interview with Chris that sometimes I'll shoot Acros. And then if I take the raw file with this app, I can go back and try the different Acros with the filters, shadows and highlights and and make changes like that. Um, I don't know if other cameras do this. Uh, Fujifilm is sort of unique the way they they push the film simulations as as an important feature. Um, But the ability to do this on the camera means that, yes, you can get Lightroom presets that are almost the same. But if you do it on the camera, it is using the exact Fujifilm recipe and processor and engine and everything. One thing I found that was interesting, this cable was like 11 pounds on Amazon in gray, but it was only 8 pounds in gold. So I have a gold Wonderful. I'm actually glad you brought that up because when you mentioned that during our interview, I wasn't exactly sure what you were talking about because I, I didn't realize that it could do this. And it, and that actually sounds like a better workflow than doing the, the raw development in camera, which is also handy, but it's yeah. a whole lot of button pushing. It's a whole lot of button pushing. And the thing is that with this app, so you load a raw file, um, it's going to take a, a – it's, it's not very fast because it's going in and out of the camera. And even though it's USB-C, it's still not that fast. And in the right-hand column, you have all these options. So like the different film simulations, shadows and highlights, grain, et cetera, et cetera. You click one a few seconds later, you see what it looks like before you actually generate it. Um, In camera, it's very small on the screen. And while it's really useful, as you said, there's a lot of button pushing just to see what the different things look like. Plus also, I don't know how well calibrated the screen on that camera Mm, is. Whereas I use a calibrator to get the color calibration on my iMac. On that little screen, you've got reflections. Whereas when you're on a computer, you know, it's the right angle. So you you should check it out. It's worth definitely. Okay. Until next time. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the end. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast. 